Hi friends, welcome back. It's been like five months. I know. Crazy. I hope everyone had a really beautiful summer. I hope everyone was safe. And yeah, summer's over and it feels so weird, but I'm also so excited about the fall because the fall, it's my favorite season. And I think it's because I don't do well in extremes and I do well in the middle and fall is like such a middle ground because it's not too hot, not too cold. It's just right. And I love sweaters. If that makes sense. Welcome back. I'm so happy to have you. I'm really excited for the next couple episodes that I have lined up. And I think you will love them. And I hope you will love them. Yeah, so full transparency, I feel like we may be taking a different route with some of these episodes. And as you know, like, I started this way back in 2017. So as I grow and as I evolve as a human, so will this platform. So will the topics that we're talking about. So the next few episodes are kind of just going to reflect conversations that I'm having in my everyday life. And it actually revolves around personal growth, around business, navigating, like being a business owner or just being a human in society right now. So I'm really looking forward to them and I hope that you do too. And I just want to say that I appreciate each and every one of you for listening and taking the time out of your day to just tune in. It means a lot to me. It actually means the world to me because I get to do what I love. So that's very nice. Just a couple of updates, no crazy ones, but as you know, which is super exciting that Lemon Water is kind of, sort of, but totally is a creative agency now. So it's kind of always like up in the air. What is she doing? But I do work with a number of brands and I help them bring their vision to life in a lot of different areas. And we can dedicate an episode to that another time. Just having this as an outlet has really been able to inspire me and allow me to grow. And for that, I am forever grateful. And other news, my digestion has been very sad and I keep trying out different things. And so far, nothing is sticking. And again, as we know, all things take time and it is a journey and not a destination. However, at the moment, my destination would really like to be not to be bloated. So if you have any recos, let me know. But so far, what I've tried was a SIBO diet because we thought that was an issue. And listen, it did very well, but it was not a sustainable option for when the world started to open up just a little bit. And then, you know, you want to go enjoy really yummy, delicious, incredible food. And you can't do that. So. <laughs> I'm I'm the only person to blame here. I, I blame myself. It's okay. That was going well for a couple of weeks. I actually was able to do it for like a full six weeks, but just not a long-term thing for me. In this episode, we'll actually briefly talk about seed cycling, which I think I want to get into as well, because if you know me, you know my periods are a nightmare, like an actual nightmare. I've tried everything. I've done multiple tests. We don't really know what it is. It's just I'm hearing 
this is genetic. So, okay, well, we got to figure that out. So seed cycling, I've heard amazing things. And actually, our guest on today's episode has been seed cycling for a couple months now and has found great success. So I think I'm going to try that out. And then in a couple of months, I'll give you an update because I want to see if it works for me. And letting you know after two weeks is not going to be productive. I was so lucky and thankful and privileged to be able to spend some time in New York. That was a dream come true. And now I'm here and I could tell you that that trip was much needed because I came back full of energy and like just ready to start working and just give it everything my all. So I think that was definitely a clue, cue for me that sometimes you need to step away from your surroundings. And that's it, guys. Now, can I please introduce today's guest? I am so excited because I have been such a fangirl for so long. Today, I'm sitting down with Liz Tran, who is the founder of Reset, which is a coaching studio based in New York. Many of you may know her from her podcast or even the Instagram account, which I'm obsessed with. I actually did start recently listening to the podcast and I'm addicted because Liz has so much knowledge and so much insightful knowledge that really, after you listen, you're like, wow, okay, like I really resonate with this. Okay, this is how I'm going to move forward. This is how I can make changes in my life, in my day to day. So I love her so much. And on this episode, we kind of get into what she was doing before coaching that kind of led her into wanting to do this. And I'm sure as you guess, as many of the stories go, burnout is a factor. Of course, we do talk a little bit about imposter syndrome, setting boundaries, and of course, why humans in today's society are so hard on themselves because This theme comes up literally every day. Not only that theme, but also the theme of imposter syndrome. It just comes up all the time. And it really, we are a product of our surroundings and kind of like, it's wild. So Liz provides us with some advice and coping tips that we can work on our day to day. So there's a lot more other stuff we talk about, but you're just going to have to listen to the episode. So I'm going to stop talking and I hope you guys enjoy. Before we get into today's episode, we have a quick message from our sponsors. Better days start with better mornings. Invelo is a good morning bedding and bath company. Female founded and led by a young entrepreneur, Invelo combines cutting edge innovations with old world techniques, creating beautiful ethical products without sacrificing on sustainability. So you can feel really good about having them in your morning rituals. They recently launched a new line of linen bedding that I absolutely love and it's perfect for elevating your sacred sleep space. To wake up feeling amazing and ready to start the day, visit www.nbello.com and Lemon Water listeners, you get 20% off at checkout with code LEMONWATER. Discount codes are limited to one per customer, but I highly suggest you check them out. If you don't need something right now, you may need something in the future and yeah to our episode. Hi, Liz. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm really excited to meet you, especially because you have changed my life through a second degree reference where I started taking that I am biome supplement. Oh my God. 
I know we're starting out the podcast with 30 seconds of me talking about my bowel movements, but they've been great. So thank you. Oh my God. That's amazing. How long has it been since you started taking them? Probably three or four weeks now, but I noticed a difference within, I would say under a week. That's incredible. For those of you listening who don't know what ION, is it ION Biome is? Yeah, I think so. So it's this liquidy substance that is basically just purified dirt. I know that's like an oxymoron and that does not make sense, but it's purified dirt that essentially helps feed the bacteria in your gut. And it's absolutely incredible. It's supposed to be a substitute for probiotics, but they don't kind of, they don't like really noting it as that. And it's by Zach Bush. If you guys don't follow him, take a look at him online. He is gut health extraordinaire. But that's a side note. Anyways, I am so excited to finally get to meet you and chat with you. You are incredible. So I can't wait for listeners to just learn a little bit more about you and what you do. I would love to kind of start off with what are you up to right now? Where are you in the world? I'm in Connecticut right now. I live in New York, but I've been trying to take more time intentionally to be in nature which is ironic because there's some trucks driving by where I'm staying right now. But day to day, I work as an executive coach. So I spend an hour a week coaching about 35 founders each. So they have all raised at least a minimum of 4 million. Some of them have raised up to 50 million. And it's this little niche that I've carved for myself where I'm helping founders of early stage startups really quickly accelerate their dreams. And then a lot of the work I do is about democratizing the work with coaching because My clients one-on-one pay thousands of dollars a month for a retainer. And that's just really like not affordable for really anyone in the world, unless you've raised a bunch of money from VCs and you're footing the bill for it that way. So I created the Reset Instagram as well as the Reset Podcast as a way to help people access a lot of that same coaching work. Because I really believe that every single person in this world has a unique purpose and a gift to give in this life. And so many of us, are afraid to do it, or we've never been told that we can, or it's really hard for us to even know where to start because we don't have those role models, particularly women and people of color. And so what I've attempted to do is to be that coach for people who aren't in that sort of financial demographic that can normally afford executive coaching, because there are all sorts of stars, brilliant people who just may not know how to tap into their potential. So that's what the Instagram is all about. We try to tell people that they can do it. We try to tell people that they should love themselves. And the podcast is really similar. Yeah. So I actually started listening to the podcast religiously. We'll get into that in a bit. But back to the Instagram, I'm just so obsessed with how everything is like kind of, I know you've started incorporating more of like the filler inspo photos, but before that, it's kind of like the graphs. And really, I feel like I haven't worked in corporate for a really long time, but when you go into that corporate office, you typically see a whiteboard with a web and you have done that and you've simplified it and you've put it on the public platform domain for everyone to see. And it really does help people with their day-to-day, like even if it's not something that they want to apply to their work, but for their daily lives. So I do want to chat about the Instagram a little bit more later on, but what were you doing before you started your coaching career? Like, how did you kind of get into that? What made you decide that you wanted to transition from your regular nine to five and do that? I've had kind of this crazy journey to get where I am today. I'm 36. I started Reset when I was 34. 
but I had started thinking about it doing something when I was 27. So seven years before I started reset, essentially I graduated from college, moved to New York city pretty much right away. And I started working in tech startups and that's where all the graphs and the charts come from. I worked in the business world for a long time. I was really good at making a PowerPoint presentation or whiteboarding. And I found myself just sort of naturally gravitating towards expressing concepts in that way. So my notebook is full with doodles, pie charts, graphs, whatever, as ways to sort of understand all the concepts that I'm working with spiritually. So anyway, I was working in startups. When I was 27, I got super, super burnt out from working crazy hours. And I took a year out. So I took a sabbatical. And during that time, I stayed on an ashram in India for a couple months. And it was this life-changing experience where I had a lot of clarity about what it was that I wanted to do. And I said, I want to write. And I also want to bring spirituality to the corporate world. And I just didn't know how I was going to do it. But I told my best friend on the ashram who I'd met there, like, I'm going to go do this thing. Then I came back to New York and I started sort of getting it off the ground. I launched a business where I was doing meditation coaching. So basically teaching people how to meditate in office spaces. And it was like 2014 or 2013. So it was still like a little bit, you know, now everyone's meditating in the office, but back then people were like, oh, do we really need to do this? This seems crazy. And also from my perspective, I was really shy, you know, shy about my experience. And, and I was really nervous when I were, whenever I'd go in and teach a meditation and a job came along that seemed really too good to pass up. And at that moment, there was a fork in the road and it was like, okay, either continue with this dream or do this other thing that checks a lot of the boxes on your external world, how much money you make, how people think about you, prestige, being associated with the right people. And I chose that route. <laughs> I went in that direction. And part of that was like, I had gotten married to my first husband really young. Like we got engaged after three months of dating and I was 25 at the time we got engaged. And I think both of us were like, yeah, let's do this. Amazing. And he was young too. I think he was like 26 or 27. And the marriage didn't last. You know, I think we both weren't fully formed human beings yet. And we had so much of our own family histories and trauma to process. So at that moment, I was starting life all over again. And it felt a little too shaky for me to go off and start my own business. So then I entered into this world where I started working at a venture capital firm. It's one of the biggest firms in the country. I think there's maybe seven or $8 billion that they manage. And they've invested in companies like Glossier and Spotify and Instagram any of the big tech companies out there thrive. My old firm probably has something to do with it. And it was a really cool opportunity for me to enter this industry that so many people really put on a high pedestal and say, wow, VC is so interesting and so exciting. I was really intimidated because I was working with all these people who had gone to Harvard or Stanford and I'd gone to University of Virginia. And I was like, whoa, all these people are so smart and successful. And, you know, the guy who owns the firm is dating a supermodel. And like, it's so cool. And then when you're also thinking about the money that's being managed, you're like, this is big. <laughs> like, it's a lot, <laughs> a lot of pressure too. A lot of pressure. And it was huge for me because I grew up very, very, very poor. Like I was thinking about this the other day, like when I was buying gas at the gas station for my car. And we used to just my mom used to get gas $1 at a time because that's all we had. So she'd go to the gas station, she'd buy like one gallon. Cause back when I was a kid, it was like $1. And then I remember going to the grocery store and she'd always be like, okay, we can afford one 
gallon of milk and like one loaf of bread, which is three or $4. And like, that's it. And a lot of my existence, who I am today is because of the generosity of a lot of people, like teachers, the school system. I was in a gifted and talented program. And so money meant so much to me because I paid for college myself. Like I had this real chip on my shoulder about money because we just never had any, like literally never had shoes that fit me and lived in a very impoverished way of life for so long that I carried with me. So when I got this job, I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Somehow I managed to get this job where by the time I left, because I had advocated for myself so much and really done such a great job, I was making half a million dollars a year. And I also had what's called carried interest. So a piece of the firm. So if I had stayed for an additional call it five or six years, I probably would have cashed out and made like seven to $10 million at the end of it. So it was a lot of money. And even in the beginning, it was a lot of money, but I really worked my way up by delivering value. So I was in this job for almost four years. And during that time period, I really got a little bit off track because my whole life revolved around this place where I worked. I would miss my friend's weddings. I would skip things because I just wanted to be successful. I wanted to prove to everyone around me that I had finally done it and I could do it. And I really lost a big chunk of myself. And about a couple years in, I looked up, I looked around and I was like, wow, I am 32. I have everything I could ever want in the world. I'm really unhappy. I have the apartment in New York. I have this hot boyfriend who is just a complete asshole. And I have this job that creates so much stress in my life and also isn't aligned to what I really believe in. Like, I've never been someone who's like, yeah, capitalism, you know, like that's not, those aren't my values. And I started on this journey where I started seeing an energy healer. I started going on long silent meditation retreats, which I'd always loved doing. Started going on more. I did ayahuasca for the first, second, third, fourth time. I read like a hundred self-help books during a year or two. And it was because I was like so deeply lonely. Like I, that boyfriend and I broke up the job. Like I just felt so stressed out all the time. And I basically was like, what's going on in my life? And so after a couple of years of that, then I got a lot of clarity slowly. I sort of chipped away at it. It also helped that like I stopped drinking and I stopped dating for six months. I let go of all these external distractions that kept me from really seeing what the problem was, which was that I wasn't living in alignment with who I really was. And it was a tough decision, but it also felt so urgent. Like I had to do it and I quit the job. And they were really sad about it. They asked me to stay on for like an additional year. That's a lot to ask of someone who's like, here's my two weeks. Like, can you please just stay for a year? (laughs) Yeah. I stayed for an additional nine months. We kind of like met in the middle. And I launched Reset, which was at that time when I created it, it was a physical space in Nolita. So for those of you who are in New York, it was on Mott Street in Kenmare. So great little location nearby where I lived. And we built this beautiful space. I did a whole construction project. I took all my savings that I had accumulated when I was working at the venture fund. And I also took out a loan for $100,000, a personal loan. I put it all into the space. And for like six months, it basically just like bled cash because it was like, we're trying to build up an audience, trying to get people in there. And then it started working. So after like six months, then we started breaking even every month. Then we started making money. 
I started booking more corporate clients in the space. But the idea was that for anyone who is on a learning journey, you could come and find a community and also take classes, whether it's in astrology or breathwork or Reiki to discover who it is that you're becoming. And it was a really powerful community. It's how I met Tessa. She came in and she did a Lionsgate portal activation two years ago. So for the listeners, it's our mutual friend, Tessa, who's amazing. I was listening to your latest episode. I don't want to give it away to people who are going to start listening to Reset after this, but you kept mentioning Lionsgate portal. So what was that exactly? It is on 8-8, so August 8th every year. And it is when a star system, the Sirius star system, intersects with the sun. And it creates this magical energy for a period of several weeks that allows you to take your dreams and actually push them into potential. Like push them so into- Are we currently in that right now? We are, yeah. So Lionsgate was- I guess two weeks ago now, right? Two, three weeks ago. So we're in this phase and it's this beautiful period where creativity can really flourish. And like the portal's not going to do it on its own, but if you just put a little bit of elbow grease into it, you'll see a lot of progress happen around your dreams. Okay, that's amazing. And when does it end? There's like no exact date, but consider it like going into September. So we had the space and I did reset. And when COVID happened, I shut the space down because I was like, okay, no one's going to be coming in to take a class where everyone's sitting and talking and breathing on each other. So it was really heartbreaking to basically take this investment that I put like almost a quarter of a million dollars into and shut the whole thing down. Everything is still sitting in storage. I need to figure out like where to donate, like all these mats and gongs. So anyone who's listening, please let me or Michelle know if anyone can use any great organizations can use like 30 yoga mats, 30 bolsters. For sure will be fun. So <laughs> any some self-soothing tools, big mats, like big uh, mats for breath work that we have, like big fluffy ones. So I'm trying to get rid of everything. But then I pivoted and I went to the core of, okay, what do I know how to do? And what does the world need? And also what gives me life? And it's this idea of playing the part of a mirror where I really feel like my job is to, help people see who they truly are because I think we're so hard on ourselves. Every person is way bigger of a critic to themselves than they are to anyone else around them. Why do you think that is? I think a lot of it has to do with our society of you're never enough. All of advertising is essentially based on this idea that you're not good enough. And in order to fill that void, you need to buy something. So you see it a lot. I mean, like it has to do with everyone being airbrushed in the magazines when we were growing up. I think it also has to do with intergenerational trauma. A lot of us, our parents never learned how to love themselves either, not through any fault of their own, but especially with immigrant communities. I know that my family was like very, very hard on me because they wanted something better for me than what they had. So I think it comes from all different places, but evolutionarily, we as humans are actually programmed to see more negatively than positively. And it's because when we were hunter gatherers, if you were in a happy state of mind and optimistic, you'd probably die. Right. (laughs) But if you remembered that that berry patch could possibly be poisonous and you're like, Oh, I should probably avoid that berry patch. Or you're like, okay, before I go to this watering hole to get some water, maybe I should look around and see if there are predators. So in a life where you're nomadic, and you're hunting and gathering, and you're actually an animal that's being preyed upon, it helps to be be very scared and have like an active fight or flight response. And our society around us has evolved more quickly than our brains have. So 
this is kind of a fun fact, but it takes literally zero seconds to have a bad memory or negative experience imprint in your brain. It's immediate, happens instantly. But in order to have a happy experience, a positive memory, you have to focus on it for eight seconds before it actually imprints into your brain. Do you think that's also why it takes so long for us as humans to overcome trauma? Yeah, I think so. Because we're patterned to remember it and like say, we're trying to protect ourselves and we're trying to say, hey, I don't want this to happen to me again. And the body is so afraid, you know, it really lives in the body. And so a lot of the time that I was taking from that period of like when I was 27 to when I started my business at 34, a lot of that time was just letting go of trauma in my body, of feeling safe again, because I think you need to feel safe in order to take a big risk in your life. And I did years and years of therapy. I did all the somatic work to get get it out of my body, but I was afraid, you know, I was honestly afraid that if I wasn't making money and I wasn't in a job that people respected, that no one would ever love me. It was like an actual belief I had. And the first thing I said when I decided to do reset is I said to my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, I was like, will you still love me if I don't make any money? Seems like a silly question, but I like believed it. Now I like whatever, like you should love me if I have like a million pimples on my face or whatever, like I deserve it. But everyone's hard on themselves. And then I think that messaging gets perpetuated by society. And I think we're all just trying to like keep ourselves safe and protected. And the result of that sometimes is that maybe we keep ourselves a little too safe and we're not allowed to actually express and fully let ourselves come alive. So you were mentioning that when reset shut down, when the physical space shut down, you were finally able to pivot to what you really wanted to do. And so that ended up being one-on-one coaching with founders, right? And it's interesting because you're in a job that is so rewarding because you're helping people who are really creating magnificent things, but you're seeing that they're going through so much day-to-day stress, but they're also so hard on themselves. And it's crazy because they are leaders and they don't even realize that they're leaders and they're leading these like big teams, whether it be 10 people or like 50 to 100. So how do you navigate that through conversations with them? Like what are just some five basic things that you typically work through during each session with them? I think that probably all the people I work with skew harder than on themselves than most people. I also work with this personality test that I give all my clients when we first start working together. So there's actually a dimension that shows you how hard you are on yourself. And they all score really, really, really high on that aspect. And I remember asking one of my clients, she's raised like $30 million for her company. She went to Ivy League business school, Ivy League undergrad, where she has like a gorgeous family, like these beautiful children, a really loving partner who adores her. She is so funny and she's like beautiful and she's so cool. And I asked her, you know, what percentage of your thoughts are negative or self-critical? She said a hundred percent, hundred percent. And so we started one doing an exercise where like, I would ask her at the beginning of each session, tell me three things that you did well this week. She couldn't even do it. She would always say, oh, well, the team that did this, or she would say, I did this well, but I messed up, blah, 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 blah. And it would always be some way that she was hedging, allowing herself to really shine. And so I think that there are a few things, like these are probably the top five things that I do with my clients. One is I really get to know them and I help showcase 
how powerful and how resilient they actually are. So that's a big part of it is like remembering obstacles that you've overcome in the past. So I might say to one of them, hey, think about it this way. Your parents came here from China and your dad worked at a restaurant as a busboy. And then you wound up getting to this great school, this great undergrad school. That's probably harder statistically than what you're trying to do right now. In fact, it's like definitively harder. So you've already done that. Or like you're an amazing caretaker to your parents. You know, you have a great relationship with them. Think about how hard it is to support them in this way, stand up for them, blah, blah, blah. So I'm really helping them see strengths that they undervalue because we all undervalue how good we are and how strong we are, how much we've accomplished. We're like, eh, I had to do it. You know, I was forced to do it. So that's the first thing. The second thing is like, I actually force them to get into a current thought pattern where I ask them to create a list of three things that they did well that week always. And I really push them on it. The third thing is that I really highlight that. We're like, because I know it takes eight seconds to imprint a good memory. And so I really double down. It's a coaching technique where you say, Hey, I want to pause here. And I really want to highlight this thing that you did. And then they'll talk about it. I'll talk about why it's meaningful. And then I'll ask them to share some ways in which it was very powerful for them too. So something small that you could just be like, good job. You wind up having a two to three minute conversation about it. And it creates this memory loop that helps instead of having the fear brain say, oh, I'm horrible. I'm horrible. I'm horrible. You start to say, oh, I'm going to notice things that I think are good about myself. The fourth thing is that I basically say like, who cares what other people think? A lot of the people I work with care a lot about what their investors think. I always say your investors chose you for your brain and who you are. And also they're not always right. Investors are not gods. I worked with a bunch of investors for years and they don't know anything more than you do. And you know, that's true. And so I really push them on. And I also am sort of like, I try to get them to buy into this mindset where it's like, if people aren't on your level, who cares? Fuck them. If they don't get you, especially when my founders are pitching investors and they're getting no's and no's and no's, I always just say like, good. It opens up room for someone else. And let yourself stand on a mountain of no's to get the perfect yes. If they say no to you, but you don't even like them, like what's the big deal? And so it's working on creating an inner world of values of what they value instead of just saying, okay, this person is an investor at X, Y, and Z company. It's like, no, are they a good person? Do they believe in you? Are they a trailblazer? Are they into the mission that you're putting out there into the world? And then the last thing I'll probably say is that I think that the part of people being really hard on themselves is also that they're really hard on other people around them also. And I kind of just tell people like, you might die tomorrow. And we're just all floating around on this crazy spinning rock through space. And it's not that important. And it's hard to say that to a founder because their whole lives are invested in their business. This is the most important thing to them. And it helps to create the separation and a little bit of a detachment and have a sense of humor about things. And basically just say like, I know this seems really crazy important to you, but let's zoom out. We're on a floating giant hunk of rock that's like spinning around. We're literally a speck of like stardust in this giant galaxy. I'm so happy you said that because I find myself too, if I feel like I'm having negative thoughts from criticizing others, I'm just like, everyone's trying their best. Everyone is just trying to get to the next day. Like, I don't know, that is so true. And it takes like time sometimes, but when you take that step back and really see it for what it is, you like start to like trip. You're like, whoa. 
and then you go through like a really deep hole of like nothing matters when it's like why am I stressed why am I anxious it's like one after another taking a quick break from our episode with a message from our sponsor. So better days start with even better mornings. Invelo is the Good Morning Linen Company, a Canadian woman-founded eco-friendly brand that specializes in premium quality and fair price bedding and bath products. Everything Invelo makes is crafted under fair trade and environmentally friendly manufacturing practices so you can feel good about having them in your home. Whether you want to brighten up your space with chic, lightweight linens or looking for the fluffiest towels, Invelo products help you sleep better and elevate your self-care routine. You deserve to take care of yourself, so get in your Zs and wake up feeling ready to conquer the day. Visit www.invelo.com and use code LEMONWATER for 20% discount at checkout. Just a reminder, discount codes are limited to one use per customer. So check them out. If you need any new linens or bath products, I personally love it. The towels are luxe and I kind of feel like I'm in a hotel every day when I take a shower. So check them out and back to our episode. I love taking naps during the day because my work is not that important. Like it literally doesn't matter. Who cares? If I want to take a nap, I'll take a nap. And so that's kind of the thing. It's like, life is meant to be funny and it's meant to be fun. And the irony is, is like when you let go a little bit and you start to treat things so much less seriously, you actually get better at life. Like you succeed more, your dreams come true when you can be more playful and experimental because the energy of manifestation and energy of bringing things to life is about dreaming. It's about a lightness and it's about letting yourself be surprised by what comes in. I guarantee anyone who is out there listening, if you list the top three best things that ever come into your life, I would say two, if not all three of them were probably a surprise to you. And sometimes at the time you weren't, you weren't thrilled about it, but like later down, you're like, oh, that was, and they always say like the most creative humans on the planet are children because their way that their minds work and they literally will come up with the most ridiculous things but they're so creative and they're happy while they're doing it and sometimes I personally wish I'm like what would my inner child do and how can I currently feed that inner child as well so it's like always prioritize play you have to yes it's where all the ideas come from for sure and I was reading this thing that said that the average child laughs between three or four hundred times a day and then the average adult laughs like eight times a day it was something crazy like that and I was just like whoa my life sucks. <laughs> I want to be a kid again. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I'm trying to channel this month during this like post Lionsgate portal experience is about having fun and just letting go and relaxing. Now I just want to know, like, how did you kind of transition all of that that you do in your day to day? And I know you had mentioned at the beginning, your Instagram is originally used to kind of make all your information that you teach and you coach through your day-to-day more accessible. How did you first realize that that's how you wanted to communicate it? And then how did you make that jump and actually doing it? Because as we know, Tessa, genius, we love her. She does do that, but you come up with all the information. So how did you start doing that? Well, 2020 was a really, really rough time period for me. Starting in March when I closed the studio up until probably 
that November. So that eight month stretch, it was pretty brutal because I had one or two coaching clients, but it wasn't the bulk of my business. A lot of it was getting corporate partnerships. So getting corporates to do workshops in the space that I would facilitate. And I didn't really have a roster of one-on-one clients and I was getting that off the ground. And I also had crazy expenses coming out of reset. So at one point I had $40,000 on credit cards that were about to, like they were zero interest and they were about to become like 25% interest in December. And so I was like, okay, I got to figure this out by December. And it was really stressful. And I was in Canada where my husband's family is from. It felt very far away from New York, which is like my heartbeat and my center. And I didn't really know what I was doing. And I decided that I was going to coach myself to coach myself out of this darkness that I was in. I was really in like this heavy forest of pain because I was so sad that my dream had died. And I was like, okay, I'm going to throw every tool I have in the book at this problem for me. So I'm going to coach myself. I'm going to change my attitude. I'm going to change my mindset because I literally felt like giving up every day. And I was like, I'm just going to get a job. Like I'll go work for my friend. I'll go be her COO. You know, I know how to do those jobs, but they weren't my dream jobs. It was just like, I needed to survive. It was when all my trauma responses kicked in this childhood fear of being homeless, being on the street. It comes back. Even if you like think you're healed completely. Yes. Comes back so strongly. I literally was like, I'm going to be homeless. And my husband was like, you're, do you know how many steps have to happen between now and then? I was like, (gasps) and it felt so scary. Like the whole world was ending and it felt like maybe it was my fate to always be in poverty. And like the success I had for a decade was like just a blip. It was just a mistake. And so I started coaching myself and honestly, the reset Instagram and the podcast, they were just like me trying to make sense of everything I was feeling. So the first chart I created was a rendering of the five stages of grief. Because I was like, I got to learn these stages and I'm going to like support myself as I go through them. And so I put that on the grid and it was like the first chart, Tessie made it look beautiful. And then from there, I was like, you know what? I love this way of synthesizing information for myself. And my process is like, I actually just draw in my notebook and I'll spend maybe like 30 minutes to an hour, like hand drawing each chart over and over again and like getting perfect and getting the information right. And tweaking it so that it feels like exactly what I'm thinking. And during that time that I'm making it, it feels like I'm letting all the lessons sink in where I really feel whatever it is that I'm saying. And also to take something and put it into a chart or diagram, you have to really understand the material. And so these are all spiritual lessons, right? Not like business lessons, but the same thing. Like you have to really understand them to synthesize them. So everything I made, a lot of it was about like grief. A lot of it was about, you know, I did a chart called why it's so hard to love yourself because I was having a hard time loving myself. I was trying to understand why I did a chart that was about how success is paved with rejections along the way. Cause I was just getting a lot of no's from potential clients at the time. Felt like I was getting rejected a lot. I actually recently just made a chart this week that's going to come out pretty soon. And it's like this diagram that shows how many rejections all these amazing people have gotten because I'm writing a book right now and I'm about to send it out to a bunch of agents. And I was like, just prepping myself to be like, whatever, if I'm rejected, that's great. Like Stephen King was rejected 30 times. Like I can do this. And so a lot of it is like a pep talk to myself. And I return to the images over and over again. And the podcast is the same where whatever self-help books I'm reading to put me in the zone so that I can accomplish things. I just synthesize them tell people the important bits of it and then tell them how to activate it in their own lives. And I think that's why the Instagram resonated because I honestly, like you should ask Tessa, like we didn't really even care about followers. Like 
let's just make this. It's fun. I love working with her. I think she's a, a genius, you know, and there was never any pressure to get more followers. And we also don't post very often, you know, we post a couple times a week, like two, three times a week, max. I think we didn't post for like almost a full week last week because I was in a, on a creative hiatus. I was creating and designing, just working on my book so much. And so it's always been for me and for Tessa. It's been like, what do we want to put into the world? What speaks to us? And the ironic part is that when you design and when you dream from the soul, then eventually the rewards come. We're like, it took about a year, but now we just crossed a hundred thousand followers we're at a bunch of podcast listeners. Like, I don't know the exact amount. It's really hard to tell, but I feel like our, like the downloads have basically gone up like 20 X since last year. And I think it's just because it's like, it's real. And like, I talk about all the shit that has been really hard and upsetting. And I also am like, let's stay positive too. And I think people resonate with that because I think all of our souls are trying to tell us in a very small voice at first, but then louder and louder, that thing that we're supposed to do here in this world. And people of all different backgrounds like Reset, you know, it's like guys, girls, people, non-binary, everyone, like people from all different countries. And it's because isn't like a hierarchy of people who are meant to follow their dreams. But unfortunately in our society, it's like kind of set up that way. So Reset, like I still look at the Instagram all the time whenever I need a little boost and I'm having a bad day. And I'm just like, Oh, okay. I'll look at this and I'll remember that everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And also you kind of created this as a healing mechanism for yourself and then you ended up healing the world. Thank you. It's really, really fun. I mean, I guess that's like why we all do it, right? Probably the same thing for you is like our pain. It's inevitable because we're meant to turn it into something that can help others. And like with all of your work around health and wellness and well-being like I feel like so much of that comes from you trying for yourself and like experiencing a lot of pain and then you're like okay I'm gonna turn this into something beautiful yeah like thank you for seeing that and that's why too I try to really I feel like sometimes listeners are confused because my seasons really change with the type of guests that I'm having but I'm growing so if I'm growing my mind's growing my body's growing and it's like I need to shift to content that actually speaks to me. And if it speaks to you, great. I'm so happy. I'm so happy to have you on this journey. But if it doesn't, I totally understand if like, you're not on board. At first, I was a little nervous, like sometimes shifting what type of guests that I'm having. But then I'm like, this is for me. Like, like I made this for me. So another question I have for you is that you dated, I can't believe you have over 30 clients. Like I was expecting you to say six. So the fact that you have like over 30 clients, you're taking in so much energy and so much kind of like, I want to say negative, even though it's, it doesn't intend to be negative, but you're kind of being dumped on. What kind of boundaries do you set for yourself? I have, and just to clarify, because I didn't actually explain this is I actually see a lot of them in a group setting. So okay, okay. <laughs> 12 one-on-one, -on -one, and then I have 24 ish who are in groups of eight and I see them once a month, but then I also do some one-on-ones with them throughout the month sometimes. Um, but it's lighter. I don't see those, those clients all the time, but it is a lot because it's not just the actual coaching calls, as you know, it's like also the work you do in between to help them. It's the phone calls that you pick up at seven in the morning. It's the emails that you send to them because they're freaking out at 10 o'clock at night. And it's funny because their lives are very hectic. It's like a lot of up and down. And like some of them, it's a lot of drama, just sort of necessarily with their jobs. I mean, there's so many ups and downs. And 
I kind of love it. It's funny. My life is so calm and so chill. Like there's no drama, like any friends who I've had were toxic. I've said goodbye to them. I've worked out a lot of stuff in my relationship where we did like a big push through couples therapy and we've created like a lot of good communication skills. I'm on like a real routine. I have a lot of solitude. And so honestly, like I am kind of into it, you know, (laughs) sometimes it's negative, but I only choose to work with people who have this more spiritual alignment, whether they're religious or not, but like they can see the bigger picture and pull out. And like, I don't know, there are a lot of people who, you know, who I meet and I do a sample coaching session with, and they're just like, that's not for me. And there are also people who are like, I don't know, this probably doesn't feel right for me there. I mean, I fired a couple clients in the past few months, not fired, but I was just like transitioned them because I was like, doesn't feel like a right fit. But, you know, I think part of it is like, there's this joy in being able to help them process the negative and turn it into something positive, or at least go to a solutions-based process. And I have a lot of aptitude or like, I have a lot of bandwidth for absorbing their negativity. And like, this is one coaching kind of skill that I learned through this company called Coactive. They're like a coaching training program. They say you have to let people really go deep into whatever it is they're feeling before they can come out the other end towards lightness again. You have to let them go back, back, back into the cave, because if they don't fully get it all out, then it won't really be resolved. And what a lot of coaches try to do is just be like, okay, positivity, like, let's just help you get to a solution. That's from any type of healing though too, right? You want to get it all out. Yeah. And so you have to let people go there. And so like, I'm like, let's go, like, let's go to the darkness. And there's with all a lot of healing and a lot of coaching, I think people are like, I just want to be positive. I just want to keep it real. And I think part of it is like the negativity doesn't get me down because I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Like these feelings are real. Are they useful and beneficial? Usually not, but you know, we have to get them out. We're not going to indulge them. We're going to allow you to properly process them. And so I ask a lot of questions like, what are you most afraid of here? What are you still uncertain about? What's the worst case scenario? What is your biggest nightmare? play out all the things that can happen in your mind. And so I let them say those things. And usually while they're saying it, they're like, oh, okay, I realize this sounds pretty crazy. And so I think that a big thing with healing, my work as like a coach and a healer, it's always a willingness to embrace all the heaviness and all the darkness. And only through that can you help people find their way back towards positivity and optimism. So what's the most rewarding part of your job? What do you love the most? Oh my gosh. I just love them all. I love them so much. And I just, I don't know. I'm like getting emotional. I just see the progress that they're making in their dreams. I mean, the biggest thing is like, I love it when someone begins to believe in themselves and the real world side effects of that are like, you know, one of my clients right now, I started working with him a year ago and I said, what is your dream? And I don't even think his company was doing like they weren't even doing like a million in revenue yet. And I was like, what is your dream? And he was like, I want to sell this company for a hundred million dollars to like X company. And I was like, we're going to fucking do it. I mean, I didn't use the F word, but I was like, we're going to do it. And like, I've always been like, I believe in you, this is going to happen. And he has had three or four failed startups before this. He's actually in his fifties. And we have really broken through this barrier of him self-sabotaging himself. And it's been a month, five or six months of like, actually doing the MA work to sell this company, but knock on wood, like, I think it's actually going to happen like in the next month. And so that's beautiful for me to like see long-term, like that this, his dream is happening. And it's not so much about the sale and the, how, how much and the money and the person's going to, because when he said it, it seems so crazy to him. And I pushed him. I was like, no, tell me your like real, real dream. 
the most satisfying part is like, I helped him really actually believe in himself deeply, deeply, deeply for the first time. And then if that happens, then like you can do anything. So it's so cool. I work with a lot of people who are children of immigrants and it's just like, wow, I'm really unlocking a person who has been told a lot in their life that they're not good enough and they can't do it. Or feel the pressure of they have to do it to amount to something. Yes. That's another thing. So it's either like, you're not good enough, or if you don't do this, everything we have worked for our entire lives is for nothing. Yes, 100%. That's a real feeling that people have. I have the, I know that feeling all too well. It's true. I totally get it. Yeah. And it's like our parents do the best job that they can, right? Like they really try, but then that feeling sucks. <laughs> it's just the worst. The pressure. But I think this conversation was so important for listeners to hear because I get a lot of emails and DMs and messages from younger people. And when I say younger, I mean like 17, 18, 19, 20 year olds messaging you saying, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I feel lost. And I responded so many times and I like tried to really instill why on earth would you want to know what you want to do with your life at that age? We have our whole lives to figure it out. Why would you want to use your early 20s to have everything figured out? Where would the fun be? Where would the adventure be? Where would the process be? Like the beauty is so embedded in the process and just hearing your personal story and even your client, like 50, even when you're 50, sometimes when you're 70, you can like, you know, get that aha moment. So for those listening, like, please stop fixating on like what you're going to do. Like when I was 20, I was out. God knows doing what. Truly, it's not a race and enjoy the waves. True, Like live through it. Yeah. The point of your 20s is to expand your world and expand your perspective so that you can know what you want. But there's no way you can do that at 17 because you only have the context of the past 17 years. And like, if I had gotten all the things I wanted when I was 17, I would be married to my high school boyfriend who has a tattoo on his leg of the word cake because he likes to eat cake. And he's like missing two of his teeth now from like getting into fights has totally ruined them from drinking so much Coke. And he, I mean, he's like a very happy guy, I'm sure right now, but like, I don't want to be married to him. He lives in our hometown. I would be a lawyer because I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. I actually applied to law school, totally failed at that. You know, I didn't go to law school. I worked at a law firm for a year right out of school. I was horrible at it as a paralegal. And so it's like, then you think your dreams are like X, Y, and Z, but it's just, you haven't seen enough of the world yet. It's like trying to, choose an outfit when you have literally one choice. It's like, great. Do I love this outfit? I don't know. I wear the same thing every day. Right. And so it's like, have experiences, meet different types of people, broaden your mind. And that was kind of a big thing about when I traveled when I was 27, I saw these, all these other ways of doing things. And if I hadn't taken that trip, I don't know if I would have ever started a reset because in that moment I was like, Oh, there's another way of living. Don't have to be in the rat race. Exactly. I also have so many more questions to ask you that are like completely going to trail off. So beware everyone. You just completed a triathlon and that is wild and crazy. And like, I want to hear all about it. It is, you have a whole podcast episode dedicated to it, but what did you just decide on a whim you wanted to do it? And how 
do you feel now? I feel great. It was so, honestly, if you're listening to this and you kind of know how to swim, you can literally do a triathlon. Anyone can do it. Anyone can do a triathlon. And the biggest thing is that it's completely mindset. It's literally all mental game. And it was so cool because I developed this really strong mindset related to like physical discomfort where like everyone who knows me is like, it's cold outside. And I'm like, that's so cold. I hate it outside. I don't want to go outside, blah, blah. You know, I'm like a weak human being when it comes to my physical surroundings. And with a triathlon, you learn to embrace discomfort because you just say, I'm growing stronger. And I do that in my emotional and spiritual life. I never really applied it to my physical life. So honestly, it wasn't that bad. It was just literally showing up and doing the workouts every day because the first workouts that you do are literally like, run for two minutes and then walk for two minutes, run for two minutes and walk for two minutes. Anyone can do that. And then it gets built up slowly to when you're crossing over the finish line and you've literally been doing cardio for like three hours and you feel like a complete boss. Oh my gosh. It's such an intimidating thing to think about, but then you just have to do it. Yeah. Anyone can do it. And then you feel like a million dollars after. I mean, it was cool because you saw people doing the triathlon. You're like, a lot of these people don't look super fit, including myself, you know, it's like, and, and so it's actually like, you know, you can do it. It's nice too. I mean, I think doing a marathon would be really hard, but I, I definitely want to do a half marathon one day, but highly encourage everyone to do some sort of long race because then you develop this really beautiful relationship with your mind where you tell yourself and then you believe that things are not better if they're easy. That's true. And another thing I want to mention, I personally am going to try this on my own and then do a little bit of a podcast episode about it. But you recently started seat cycling, which has like really helped you with hormonal symptoms. And for me personally, like I have tried everything when it comes to just like dealing with the worst PMS symptoms that I can, I can't even fathom. Like I can't even talk about how bad they are, but I'm really interested in doing it. And I want to hear how your experience is still going with that. It's great. What are your PMS symptoms, by the way? Horrible. So definitely a week before my period, I am up every night in the middle of the night. And so when you look at your body clock, the time that I'm waking up is the liver time. So it's when the detox stage is happening. I do get like, I've only started getting pimples recently. So I'm getting my period in six days. You can see that cutie. But Liz, my pain, if you would say one to 10, my pain is 15. (gasps) And I'm allergic to naproxen. So it's like no amount of CBD helps, no amount of hot water bottles, like literally nothing. And I've been tested for PCOS so many times. I've been tested for endometriosis three times. Like nothing. They're like, it's genetic, which it is. Cause my mom had had the same issue from like, I need to figure something out because I can't live like this. It's just not a way of life. Like I can't be in pain for two weeks out of the month, every month. Totally hear you. I totally hear you. I'll send you the, the company that I used to do it because at first I was grinding my own seeds every day. And I was like, this is crazy. Shit. I literally this morning was listening to your episode and I went online. They won't ship to Canada. <gasps> that's so annoying. No. And by the way, Ion does not ship to Canada either. So Tesla's like, just ship it to me. And I'm like, okay, but then literally you're walking to the post office, like pounds of things for me. I will try. Cause that is like the most convenient thing ever that everything is like pre-made with them. Yeah. There must be something you can do. I mean, it is annoying grinding your own seeds. Like I just found the whole thing so messy and 
you know, what some people do is they put it in a smoothie and so they just put it in the Nutribullet with the onion and it grinds awesome. together. Yes. But it's been great. Honestly, I mean, there is a big difference just in my actual hormone levels because I'm getting- mind explaining what seed cycling is. Oh yeah. Yeah. So basically as women, our hormones fluctuate all the time and largely at the beginning of the cycle, we're meant to have estrogen grow as we go from day one of our period, which is the first day of your period up to around day 14, which is when you ovulate. So during that time, your body is creating more and more and more estrogen as well as FSH to help with all those processes. And then after you ovulate, your body is meant to produce more progesterone. And then there are other things that happen as well. But because we have these ups and downs, it's really important that we regulate and we allow our bodies to clear out the excess hormones that don't need to be there. So that's probably why your liver is waking you up during that time, because liver and kidneys have a lot to do with our hormones. And so the idea of seed cycling is that you have these seeds that help you basically, if you're creating too much of the hormone that you need, then it helps clear it out. And if you're creating too little, it kind of tells your body to create more. So the first 14 days of your cycle, then you eat two teaspoons or two tablespoons of a combination of, is it flax? It's flax and something else. I can't remember what it is. And then the second half of your cycle, then it's sesame and pumpkin seeds or something like that. But basically it's two different seeds that the different parts of your cycle. And I was so skeptical of it. I basically had heard about it a bunch. I wouldn't think that these seeds are so powerful here. I have it right now. So it's flax seed with pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds with sesame seeds. I love all of those seeds. So like you would never expect them to be so powerful on your body. You never would. And I heard about seed cycling a year ago, but I never did it because it seemed so stupid. How could you think that eating two tablespoons of seeds could actually change your body? And I am like a convert and I only did it because I signed up for Parsley, which is like a healthcare system situation. And my health coach said, I really want you to try this. Just do it for 30 days. And I found a difference right away. And I'm so skeptical and I've literally tried everything to balance out my hormones. I took all those vitamins from Woman Code, Alyssa Vitti. I spent like hundreds of dollars on vitamins every month taking this crazy complex concoction that she has trying to balance my hormones. I did her full hormonal cleanse, which was great. You know, I definitely saw progress, but not like this. And so I'm really sold on it because it's totally changed my hormonal acne. And then literally I get my hormones tested every other day because I'm doing fertility treatments right now. And from the last time I did the cycle where I had to be put on synthetic estrogen for the whole month to now, they're just like, your levels are perfect. No synthetic estrogen for you. And I was like, great. And you see that the blood work come back every two days and it's like tracking exactly as it should. And so it's really changed my whole life. I sleep better at night. I have no PMS symptoms. And then I'm actually able to like have more of a period. Usually I have very short periods, like one day and they've been a lot longer. Ah, That's amazing. Another thing I forgot to mention, I have horrible ovulation symptoms. So when I'm ovulating for three days, my stomach is like massive and I'm in so much pain, like horrible pain. So hopefully I'm going to try this out. I have a lot of faith in it. I think it's going to do some magical things. Yeah. Will you let me know in a month how everything feels? Yeah. Yeah. I need to go find the seeds though. But something I noticed about you, you retain information, a lot of information. Yeah. You retain so much information because I feel like when you're explaining something, you're like regurgitating a book. 
Yeah. I think that's why I'm uh, one of the reasons I'm really good at coaching is I remember everything about my clients. I'm always like, how's your cousin Greg? Or I'm like, oh yeah, Lauren has a younger sister, right? Like her, this is wife or whatever. And people are always just like, how do you know that? And I don't know. I have a really good memory and I think it's been shaped and heightened. And I take really good notes too. Of stuff. And I think also, well, I'm writing this book and so I'm putting a bunch of, tell me about it. What is it going to be about? The book is called how to go for it. And it's literally about how to go for it. So how to make your biggest ambitions become a reality. And the book is divided into five sections that take you from the process of dreaming through the process of actually going for it. And especially through failure and rock bottoms and finally success. It really maps to my journey with Reset where like, I'm so happy with Reset now. I feel like I'm living my dream. But my rock bottom was literally just a year ago. It was so, 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 so hard. And so the book is filled with all these beautiful stories and anecdotes of people like Maya Angelou, who wrote her first book when she was 40 years old, right? And had a whole life before then of people who have failed, like Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx, who's like a literal billionaire. And she got rejected for two years straight, you know, before one manufacturer agreed to take her on. So it has really inspirational stories, especially women and people of color. And then it also has little snippets and life lessons along the way that help you on your journey. Um, I've also put a lot of business insights there too. It's kind of a combination of spiritual frameworks and business frameworks that are both given like equal reverence. And then there's a ton of informational pictures like what we have on the Reset Instagram. There are diagrams. So I think of it as like any person's handbook who's going for a big dream. You have the book. It's your best friend. It's like a coach in book format. And it just, every time you're having doubts about yourself, you can open it up and be like, okay, I feel good. It's kind of like the purpose that the artist way or this writing book called writing down the bones has served for me where whenever I feel really stuck on writing, I'll read writing down the bones or I'll open up a little part of the artist way. And so I want this journey to be for people who don't just necessarily say like, I'm an artist, but it's also people who are entrepreneurs or people who creative entrepreneurs. Yeah. Anyone who has a vision that they're frightened to bring to life. And there is a quote from Rilke that's really beautiful. That's like, I actually heard it on Ted Lasso. I was watching Ted Lasso last night. Fear is the dragon that protects our greatest treasure. So this book is like the anti-fear book. It's like, how do we get you to stop being afraid and really know that you can go for it? Okay, I'm so excited because all of your work speaks so much to me and I can't wait to read it because I know I will get so much out of it. Since it's not just me, I feel like, so many other people will too. So I'm very, very excited. And I'm so happy for you for like making that jump too. Thank you. I've been working on it for a year and three months now. So slowly chipping away, but all good things take time. Yes, exactly. So for listeners, where can they find you? They can find me at ResetNYC on Instagram. It's the same URL. So ResetNYC.com. And then if you want to, send me a personal DM. It's probably, first of all, I'm really bad at Instagram. So I'll just say that. I love it, but I'm not amazing at checking DMs or messages. But if you DM me at my personal at Hey Liz Tran, I'll probably read it sooner rather than later. Sounds good. Well, Liz, thank you so much for joining me today. And I hope I get to meet you in real life soon. Probably. We have a Canadian connection. I know we do. We do. So that's amazing. And I hope you have a good day. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me. Bye.